0: Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe, and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. One territory that definitely qualifies as off the usual business radar is the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority, Palestine, has a number of names. It's clearly, however, not a valuable export market. But for businesses that are active in the Middle East or looking at expanding there, there are actually some real opportunities that one can take through its positioning as a hub. The World Bank has recognised that. They point to a talented, highly educated workforce with thousands of IT specialists graduating every year. However, because so few new IT companies are established, most of those graduates, unfortunately, end up joining the 32% unemployed. There's a real need for experienced business mentors and angels to add experienced resources and access to new clients and markets and for new businesses to come in to take advantage of all that talent. Somebody who's been doing just that is Jerry Marshall. He's the chair and one of the founders of Transcend, which is a company founded by partners from the UK, USA and Palestine, and with follow-on investment from the Palestine Investment Fund. Today he's joining me here on this Grow Through International Expansion podcast to tell us more about what they're doing and why, and explore a little more the opportunities for overseas companies to tap into that talent pool. Jerry has a long track record as a UK technology and social entrepreneur, and he's been involved with Palestinian businesses since the mid 90s. Keep listening. You'll find this interesting. Jerry, welcome to the Growth Through International podcast. It's Thank great you. to have you
1: with me. Thank you for inviting me.
0: This is really interesting because this is definitely um, somewhere off the usual business radar. Let's clarify the Name. What exactly do you mean by Palestine?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because the term is very loaded according to what perspective you come from. So um, uh, maybe a more common term has been the West Bank and Gaza and, and primarily businesses are dealing with the West Bank rather than Gaza. The official term is OPT, the Occupied Palestinian Territories, but some people don't like that term mm-hmm. uh, and you may find some with a particular perspective, calling it uh, Judea and Samaria or uh, some, oh, really? other, some other name. Um, is Palestine a state or not? Well, it has a, a, a national authority and a prime minister. So it's a good shorthand. And uh, and the area I mean really is, is the West Bank.
0: But in order to get there, you've actually got to go through Israel, right?
1: It, it's very easy to get to for us uh, Brits and most internationals. Fly to Tel Aviv and you can be in Uh, say Ramallah, within an hour. Uh, It's a very short journey.
0: And are there sort of political tensions in that?
1: Uh, Well, yes and no. Um, There are, of course, everyone's aware that there are political tensions. On the other hand, um, it's a remarkably stable country compared with the surrounding countries. And I think what people won't recognise from the news reports, uh, and that is that israeli businesses and palestinian businesses do actually work quite closely together palestinians recognize a real benefit from being connected with the israeli economy and vice versa uh, because um, there are many highly qualified people in palestine that can do jobs within the tech sector in israel at uh, frankly at lower rates so there's big benefits for both economies to work closely together and that's broadly recognized across uh, both um, Israeli and Palestinian business people sure,
0: and uh, that makes sense, but uh, of course, all the news that you get about a foreign country in this country is are always the negative sides, I suppose you sure. know, you would, yeah you know um one would. Think that uh, it's a state of perpetual unrest.
1: (laughs) Sadly, you know, a business like mine, working for Israeli and Palestinian businesses, is is not as exciting a piece of news as as a a, you know a a demonstration or bit of violence.
0: Absolutely not. Of course, you can't make news out of the other things. There's lots of Mm. good things, and that's true of every country on earth, I think, and certainly everyone I know. Um, But. Why would, you know, a foreign business, say a British business or an American business, want to do business in Palestine?
1: Um, there are lots of good reasons. Um, first of all, it's it's a dynamic economy, three million or so, so it's not massive, but uh, uh, but it's very much open for business. Um, it's, it's a very, I think it's got quite a European culture. It's quite mm-hmm. different from other parts of the Middle East. Uh, Palestinians have had a, uh, dare I say, British-led education, um, they have strong connections with Britain um, the sense of humour is actually quite quite more British than American, um, though I wouldn't discourage Americans from working in Palestine. Uh, they're a very easy group to for people to get along with. They're actually, uh, dare I say, very like Israelis, very dynamic, enthusiastic, family-friendly um, and um, good people to do business with. Uh, the level of corruption is, is quite low, there are people who have quite an international perspective, often Palestinians have worked elsewhere in the Middle East. Uh, it's an accent that people outside Palestine really relate, other Arabic speaking peoples like the Palestinian accent, it feels homely and friendly, their teacher was probably Palestinian. Um, so, um, so it's both a good destination in itself. And, of course, it's very local. Uh, It's only, uh, what, four and a half hours flying time from the UK. But it's also a gateway, to an extent, to um, uh, other countries in the Middle East.
0: Absolutely. And I can appreciate that from the fact that I think more or less every Arab country I've been to i have ended up, in meetings with Palestinians um, mm, mm. they're certainly you know they, they get around yeah they get around in the same way as you know they talk about the Jews getting around if you like mm, mm, mm. a bit of bit of everywhere um, and that's sort of really interesting thing so in
1: what sense
0: can Palestine then be a gateway to the Middle East
1: it's um Maybe I need to talk about my own company as helping, as an illustration of helping people. Yeah, let's let's, talk, let's talk
0: about Transcend.
1: Yeah, tell us about it. Um, so Transcend is a company that I founded with a Palestinian and uh, a Palestinian actually working for the British government at the time, um, and an American. Uh, it really comes out of originally a desire to create real jobs that would survive in any economic context, peace or conflict. So it's it's uh, the term is impact investment it's a for-profit company but the prime purpose was really to create jobs and skills and support peace and to tr- transcend the uh, separation barrier uh, to um, uh, develop relationships across the divide but that's just by way of background um, we set up as a call centre in the Bethlehem area because there are a very high number of people who are fluent in English in uh, Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to have an invisible export that couldn't be stopped by, uh, by barriers. Um, and, and of course Israel has a big call centre sector, but we're probably 30 or 40% cheaper um, then in terms of call centres, Israel you might be looking at $16 an hour, we, we, we'd be looking at something like $10 an hour, uh, all in total cost. Um, so what we've been trying to do is set up a whole new sector in the Palestinian economy. And initially we built an 88-seat call centre in 2012, and that's since grown. Um, and we now have a software uh, centre which is involved in big data and algorithm development and Salesforce support, a whole range of areas. Um, and our real strength, and uh, we're now not just in Bethlehem, but our real strength is uh, mostly our employees are graduates, they're bilingual English-Arabic, good enthusiastic people to work with. Um, and I, I guess our USB is helping companies develop their sales into the broader Middle East helping support customers they might already have in the Gulf States and beyond, and develop further sales um, in in two ways, and and there'll be other companies that could do something perhaps similar. Um, One is through the call centre, which typically uh, uses a social media approach to glean. Uh, leads from um, uh, across the Gulf states and then to follow up by phone and to have a local number so that people can call back. So for example, our biggest client is a company that sells language tuition uh, services across the world. We help them develop in the Gulf states. Uh, We glean leads through social media, follow up by phone and provide local numbers in Saudi and elsewhere so people can get back to us we also do technical support for them. So The our call
0: centre work then is in Arabic, call centre work?
1: All our staff are bilingual English-Arabic yeah. and that's a big plus if you're selling into the Gulf States, Absolutely. where as likely as not, you'll be talking to someone who isn't a, uh, an Arabic speaker. They might be from Eastern Europe or India and the common language is usually English. Uh, and these are intelligent uh, guys and girls, um, who can use a script but can also go off script to do what's appropriate. Right. So the call center is one way into developing sales and indeed supporting customers through inbound calls. But the software side can be important as well, particularly arabization of software or websites, uh, that kind of thing.
0: I okay, was going to come on to that, because so it's not just call centers, is it? No, about a
1: third of the business is now software development and that's, uh, right. that's a growing part of the business. Uh, and we're happy to talk to, um, to any company that wants to develop their business in the Middle East. I'm happy to you know, meet up and talk through their issues and, and, and there might be a place for Transcend to support them or I might signpost them elsewhere.
0: And is the software development just um, purely geared towards what you call the Arabisation of software or is it actually original software development from scratch?
1: I'm glad you asked that, yes, because it is both, in fact, our biggest client is an American company, uh, the American Psychology Association, uh, and they have, we've been dealing with, they have masses of data, uh, masses of articles written by people across the world on their topic area, and we've mm. been involved in sorting that, uh, in effect creating a library, uh, and they, they really like us, uh, they have software development elsewhere, in India and elsewhere, but they have been um, they want more and more out of us because they see us as very creative and innovative, and very effective in what we do. Although we cost no more than um, software arms in India, for example.
0: I think that makes it very interesting because I mean, there's been a there's a lot of software development going on in Israel. I know because it's very you know heavily promoted as like a hub for startups, but. It's fundamentally sort of developing from scratch and and uh, and producing new businesses from there. Yeah. Um, companies that are looking for software development. I mean, I don't think anyone would naturally think of Palestine, but potentially that's a great destination. Absolutely, an accessible one because um, there are businesses I know many I've worked with in the past who are saying you know they they send things to India but um, maybe it's the cultural take that they're not looking for an element of inspiration or cultural fit they don't feel they get when they go off script yeah Um, and now they're looking at countries like um, Serbia Belarus and so forth but
1: and I haven't heard a, of Palestine. Before. We'd be a similar similar cost to uh, uh, parts of Eastern Europe, um, but um, there are masses of IT graduates every year, and these are, it's a very young, dynamic population, very enthusiastic. I mean, they all got smartphones; they're all sure. into IT, it seems, and um, they are very creative. And, and There must be
0: a big demand for jobs. I remember hearing that it's got a relatively really high unemployment rate in Palestine. Possibly, yeah, not it's, with it's dropped it a
1: bit. Um, Uh, In the West Bank, it's around 20%. We also access some of our people are based in Gaza. Now, Gaza is quite difficult to deal with directly as an international Mm. company, but there are IT units there that we can access. So that can help provide a a bigger pool of talent. Uh, And in Gaza, there is a very high unemployment rate. So there's enormous benefits, actually, in terms of... um, Corporate social responsibility, if, if you want to take it from that angle, but there's also cost benefits and, and another pool of enthusiastic people. So, um, uh, Microsoft do a lot out there, Volvo do a, a work out there with software. Um, you know, it's not a completely new area. There are big companies that are using Palestinian developers and um, some really well trained people and it's only two hours difference. So there is also some advantages in terms of being near shore.
0: I think you were telling me um, offline, off this conversation, that uh, in fact, your way in as a sort of brute into being a chairman of uh, uh, this company was actually really from the corporate social responsibility angle.
1: Yeah, I've been involved in Palestine uh, since the mid nineties. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about um, supporting the economy because that in the end will uh, support peace and so Transcend is part of a broader agenda. Having said that, Transcend you know, is a for-profit company, it's not a charity to employ poor Palestinians. It, mm-hmm. we, we live or die by providing value for money for our clients and mm. that is what we're doing and why we've expanded year after year. We have 120 staff at the moment, um, uh, seven years in now. Uh, our next target is a thousand, and uh, we're just about to release second-stage funding to um, to be able to do that. So that's pretty
0: uh, aggressive. What's your time horizon <laughs> on that?
1: Yeah, that's slightly more difficult to put a finger on it, but uh, but five years, okay. uh, broadly. So. And I think we can do that. I think there's potential to do that. We're just beginning to break into the bigger companies and get noticed. Uh, so uh, we love working with small companies, but. You know, you need a certain scale to be able to sit down with uh, bigger companies. And, and we now have started to do that.
0: And which are the markets in the Middle East that are really sort of growing and opening up, that are encouraging sort of big multinationals to look more at the Middle East and could potentially encourage more smaller companies to look at the Middle East
1: as well? Oh, there is so much going on it's very difficult to uh, and, and you know like most developing economies it's got most sectors uh, one of our biggest clients is the the biggest white goods distributor uh, in uh, in Palestine uh, another is a mobile phone operator so uh, um, mobile phones and telecoms is is big health is big we I was starting looking at to break my, into that.
0: I was really sort of thinking more of markets I mean you mentioned the Gulf States earlier like the UAE oh, I see. sort of other than beyond if, if you're um, looking at sort of selling into the Middle East into Arabia yeah um, what's the Saudi line? Arabia
1: I guess is the biggest uh, uh, individual market although that has some challenges Dubai is the is the one which is maybe at most open and perhaps easiest to get to or the UAE more generally mm-hmm. but it's I wouldn't want to write off any of them. Kuwait uh, is somewhere I know you know, I know well. Uh, all of them have been attempting to diversify from oil for some time, usually sure. with particular specialisms. So it depends quite what market you're in. And Bahrain has, has picked up the international finance side, and Kuwait has to some extent. Um, so, um, and then <laughs> Dubai seems to be working through different market sectors and growing in different ways health being, being one that it's promoting, and of course travel the, uh, um, as a hub for some big airlines, notably Emirates, but not only Emirates. Mm. Um, so the markets themselves vary a little bit with the oil price, I think, uh, but but continue to be good, strong, growing, growing markets. It, it's an area not to ignore. And yes, you can deal with Israel and with uh, Arab states. Mm. Uh, um, and, and that's very normal and usual in uh, in Palestine.
0: With a region in such flux and with so many opportunities going on in different parts of you know, Arabia, let's call it in the Middle East, um, do you have people also who can advise on... Um, which markets to address or how to adapt, um, for example, if we're talking call centres, messages, um, if it's necessary to do any cultural adaptation of the message when talking to, let's say, you know, Saudi Arabia as opposed to Lebanon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, in terms of the, um, the details of, for example, a uh, um, telesales type campaign, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean cold, probably doesn't mean cold calling, uh, it's actually very difficult to get lists across the Middle East, so the kind of traditional cold calling doesn't generally work, but social media does work well. In terms of the broader, you know, which market should I go to, then, then you know, there are government agencies that can help you on the big picture. But absolutely, um, in the first instance, I'm very happy to talk to people and people on the ground in Bethlehem can give more details about whether they should... Uh, um, target Jordan or target the UAE or somewhere else and the particular issues around targeting a place like Saudi uh, making sure that uh, you know you don't make some elementary mistake which causes Mm. a problem. Palestinians are very open I I think they kind of straddle the divide it seems to me between a sort of European culture and a a good Western understanding uh, and some of the um, uh, more Islamic-centred states in the Middle East. Um, so they are good people to talk to who will understand where you're coming from and, um, and, and provide good advice. Sure,
0: and they have a very interesting history. I mean, you mentioned the um, the fact that they speak English earlier, and the and the fact that the some British systems have sort of uh, evolved over the years. I think many people actually these days don't think about or even know that you know Palestine was actually under British occupation until the 1940s.
1: Yes, uh, well, uh, occupation is a debatable word. Um, It was a British mandate. Uh, We were helping them become a a full state under various promises made earlier. Um, So a typical Palestinian taxi driver reaction is, well, what about the Balfour decoration? But they'll say it with a smile and uh, and actually they're quite uh, the, the vast majority are really quite pro-British, even mm-hmm. if they feel that we sold them slightly down the down the river.
0: Okay. Finally, you um, you earlier described your business as an impact investment.
1: Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It's um, it's a growing asset class. Um, there are more and more people who are interested in investing in businesses, not just for the profit they make out of it, but also from the social or environmental or other benefit that may come. Uh, Typically private offices, rich families and individuals, but also particularly in Northern Europe, um, pension funds who are looking not just to screen out the bad guys in their investment, but to positively screen in companies which are doing good things. So it's, it's part of the continuum, I suppose, between a charity at one end and a straight for-profit at the other end. Um, we're closer to the for-profit end. So it's a for-profit company and, and for most of our staff, most, most people we work with, that's as far as it goes. But behind the three founders is a broader agenda to support the development of the Palestinian economy because I think that brings benefits for, um, for the whole region, really, to create jobs, skills, hope, um, uh, a future and to develop relationships across the divide. So um, so I'm coming from a, from a broader perspective and i really excited by the way that it's gone and developed um, and it's ticking all those boxes. We're modelling integrity, we're mon- modelling gender equality. Our first CEO was a woman who became the first Palestinian lady to get a place doing the IMD MBA in Lausanne. So there's an interesting story behind it um, but at heart, we try and provide, like most businesses, value for money for our uh, our clients.
0: I think it's fascinating, Jerry, and I think it sounds like you're doing really great work out there. Thank and you. I think it's uh, anyone anyone of our listeners who's interested in doing business in Arabia should certainly be thinking about you know, you and what you do in transcend and uh, opportunities there and. Um, If you're listening to this, you can find details of how to get in touch with Jerry and Transcend's operations on the accompanying page on the growinternational.org website. Um, Check it out and get in touch with him. And uh, I hope that your business grows very fast and you reach your thousand people a lot sooner than 2025. Jerry, great pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you very much i hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast i really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations we post new content every week so please do click on the subscribe button and follow this the grow through international expansion podcast you can also find the transcript other articles and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website growinternational.org There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos and podcasts and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson, wishing you success and reminding you that international expansion may be easier than you may think.